had to smear that that white liquid goo in the big <clears throat> big jar all over my body every night. And that's where you got into big jars of liquid goo. <laughs> some people stop eating mayonnaise. Not Roman. No. Who loves it? I do. I had some mayonnaise just yesterday. I got a got a bag of olive oil chips and jar of mayonnaise. And just use that for dip. Ew. Mm, delicious. Oh, fucking God. gross. Are you serious? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> Roman. Ah, uh, yum. Oh, you're actually, a actually, actually, monster. Actually, I already had the mayonnaise, and I was out of bread, so I had to do something with it. <laughs> yeah, might as well eat it with olive oil <laughs> chips. Yep. <laughs> these these slippery chips ain't going down quick enough. <laughs> Welcome, welcome in, dear friends, to Season 3, Episode 1, Transformative Reading Experiences. This week, Django turned into a giant giraffe tongue, where every week we take in a bunch of comic books. We waddle or grub, we grub schlub into the week on a Monday, a couple of, a trio of grubby boys, and we, through the interactive artistic experience that is engaging and illustrated sequential fiction we become something more something better and we invite you dear listener to engage in a metamorphosis a transformative reading experience with us i can't wait join us i'm jeff i'm Django. oh the yawning giraffe tongue this week Django became a giant giraffe roman what did you become this week my giant walrus friend oh sorry i've given it away <laughs> oh you tusky man, you, you tusky man. And you guessed it. I'm a moth. The big reveal in the movie Tusk. Yep. That, that's, that, that's me now. Oh, that was Tusk. a really perverse movie. Tusking yep, and thrusting. Tusking, thrusting and mothing. I'm the moth. <laughs> and this week on our transformative reading experiences, we're going to talk about a variety of books. Oh no, it's moth voice. I really need to get moth voice under control. That's been the hardest part of this transformative reading experience I've gone through. <laughs> Um, oh, Roman. I'm just waiting to do a Grand Moth Tarkin joke. Oh, <laughs> that's good. Just on oh, a conceptual level. That's <laughs> yeah. Well-crafted joke. Well-crafted. Um, the transformative experiences we've all been through this week have been many in number, but one of which saw the end of season one of the book of Boba Fett. So mm -hmm. Star Wars is on the brain. Django, uh, your, your friend and my friend Roman, whose birthday is tomorrow at the time of recording february 11th uh he also was worried about transformative reading experiences getting lumped into the idea of butterflies and us being associated with the peacemaker television show so those transformative ideas have been in the works Django, tell me what transformations you've been through this week well my transformations mostly involved um like the pants area oh and, yes um, yes yes this is a new podcast, new season of an old mm -hmm. podcast, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. similar mm -hmm. to the way that the book of Boba Fett is really season 1.8 of the Mandalorian show. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, 
And I, I feel like with this new direction that we have. Nude erection? I said new direction, you pervert. Oh, I'm sorry, Django. <laughs> we should we should probably not talk about the, spe the specifics of the transformations I've experienced oh. in my pants region this because week. Because it's been a whole new direction. A whole <laughs> new direction. Oh, beans. I've only just realized in this very moment that I was supposed to edit and release another podcast today, and I didn't do it. So... <laughs> What was the other podcast? Oh, I do a podcast with my friend Will called the Ted Last Bros. Will and Colette, actually, I should say. And oh, yeah. the three of us recorded it. And it goes up every week on Thursdays, usually. <laughs> and heard, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Well, uh, I, I beef tipped that one. Oh, you know, every once in a while you beef things and uh, next week you pork them. Yeah, I'm um, going to pork it out of the ballpark next time. I heard that that one is on Spotify now. Yes, uh, we had some stumbling blocks along the way. But uh, again with a brand new direction we found a path to trade wait Neil young's maybe, out ted wait. last bros is in maybe maybe okay wait 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 wait, 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 wait. i wasn't <laughs> sold on it let's throw away transformative reading experiences and call it new directions okay i like it season you three episode like one new directions hey <laughs> are you tired of the one direction you've been headed in let's do some new directions east west north and south i don't care as long as we're nude <laughs> I got this bleach blonde hair. I'm really excited to show to you guys at the comic shop this week. This week, we're going to be talking about a fuckload of comics. <laughs> Roman, hold my board for a second. We're going right. to be talking about not that one first because Roman didn't read it. We're going <laughs> to kick this week off with we're going to kick this pig off with Devil's Reign number four. We're going to talk about X Deaths of Wolverine number two, Apache Delivery Service number two, Joker number 12. Bat Batman Urban Legends or Bourbon Legends, if you like, number 12. <laughs> <laughs> Pass me the brew, ha ha, bro, ha ha. And then we're going to talk about Suicide Squad Blaze, number one, Blaze. Speaking of which, I'm joined by my bro friend, Blaze. How's it going, man? Pretty good. Yeah. And we got Farnham down there. Farnham, how's your day been? Oh, it's been great. I, I turned left this week. <laughs> oh, three rights, my dude. Three rights. <laughs> you know it. Yeah. Okay. So, like, let's quit slacking and let's talk about some shit, right? <laughs> what? <laughs> He's hyperventilating. Oh God. Oh no. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I'm I'm fine, bro. What's wrong, bro? How howdy? I just ripped a big squeef and uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rot rowdy bro ha ha yeah <laughs> catching up with some sand in my hair gotta get off this wave that you're sending my direction hey head south right find the waves hey let's talk first about devil's reign number four chip sadarsky marco chiquetto and mayonnaise <laughs> i don't know what's that colorist name there it looks like mayonnaise <laughs> talk about a good book right <laughs> oh man i rolled this one up into my board shorts <laughs> good thing i have those huge board short pockets <laughs> man i had to tape it down to my board thank god i got that leash that hooks to my ankle so when i take a right front righteous front dive into the reef i'm, I'm not gonna lose anything right right reefing and leashing bro <laughs> reefing and leashing yeah man i don't like that guy you guys <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of gnarly. <laughs> He's kind of gnar. Kind of gnar. <laughs> um, hey, did you guys read Devil's Reign this week, though, for real? Uh, I, I didn't. I, I read it. Wait, you didn't read it, Django? <laughs> no, I haven't. 
Yeah, now that you mentioned that, I was gonna have us do Bourbon Legends for or sorry, Apache delivery first, and I was like, oh right, didn't read it. So let's do Devil's Reign. I chose it because I thought I wasn't gonna be excluding anyone, and (laughs) I guess I left a bro out, didn't I? It's not too late to slam it to the reverse. We could do something we all read. Man, this wave only goes in one direction, bro, and it's a new direction. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what board shorts? Wang dang diddle. Wang dang diddle. New directions. Caption what board shorts. (laughs) I can get like board short print background for the logo. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They like diamonds and plaid and stuff. All right. Just a big old (laughs) yellow banana board. I would be a long border if I surfed. I've always wanted to try it. Um, Well, sorry for excluding you, Django. Hey, Devil's Reign. Roman, you gave this a high score and I gave it a high score. And we've liked this series. For the most part, moving you know, like since the beginning, I thought the last issue was pretty good. Um, but this and another issue that came out this week, I just thought like kind of every step of the way was really good. And I thought the final like eight pages was fantastic. I think they did a really great mechanic to undo the fact that Matt had undone uh, everyone knowing who Daredevil is. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so too. That was all the rest of it was just all good. But yeah, that final eight pages and, and Kingpin accidentally discovering that another use for Purple Man's power. Because what what does he have in the the head of his cane? It's like a finger of Purple Man or something. Yeah, it's like his blood or it's distilled or something. I was yeah. kind of the reveal at the end of issue one of this. Was yeah, so he's, he's been extracted it. Yeah, so he's been using that to uh, influence people. He accidentally uses it on his wifey poo yeah he's um. <laughs> like i wish you know i wish you could re- they're talking he's like yeah you don't remember the first time we were together and the crazy events that happened around that she's like no i've had so much crazy stuff happen to me because she's married to typhoid mary he's married to typhoid mary at this point um she's like yeah i just don't remember and he's like holding his cane he's like man i really wish you could remember and then all the memories come back to her so because the purple man has the ability to control people's brain so then he like huffs off up to the roof of whatever building he's in in the rain and he tells himself to remember who daredevil is and in this great panel that is like marco chiquetto kind of channeling frank miller i think a little bit Mm. in this giant there's a real departure from the art style of chiquetto in that and uh that's really interesting but he he remembers it's matt murdoch and he says so i may be born again and it's just it's brutal and cool and yeah as far as like marvel events that are non-events go it's so high up there for me and I love too that that his uh, inner monologue is for that panel, uh, so I can rise like a fire of a phoenix, so I so I can be. And he says Matt Murdock's name, be born again, and call back to the Frank Miller born again. Yeah, on that page, that, yeah, kind of looked like Miller art. Yeah, that was nice. Um, I don't, I don't know why I like the conception for the Thunderbolts in this series so much, but I really like them. Like, it's just a team of characters that I shouldn't care about. It's like U.S. Agent, the female Electro, and Rhino, and whatever that other B character is. But they make so much sense. And I kind of, I'm always kind of excited to see them in this where I never have been otherwise. Yeah. And like, and I didn't care about them in their uh, Devil's Reign, Villains United, or whatever it's yeah. called. That, that was pretty blah. But yeah, they're cool in this. And there's other co- neat stuff. I mean, they're, some of the superheroes, Reed Richards and the Invisible Woman and Tony Stark. and Looks like Iron Fist and Moon Knight. They make a jailbreak, um, which is pretty cool. Kingpin springs his his son. More like Springpin. Oh, <laughs> Springpin, darling. dude. Rod the nose. Toe. Toe stuff. <laughs> he gets him out of, out of jail and 
Butch, but Butch, like, oh, he, he, he just tells off the kingpin. I mean, the mayor. And, well, so that's and if anybody one, else did that, they'd be dead. That's one of two moments in this book where I was like, all right, I know I only missed like seven issues of Zdarsky's run, but I'm out of the loop. And the first was when Mike Murdoch shows up. And I know that there was an arc with that in the Charles Soul run before this. And but I thought he like wasn't real or it was like, or maybe that was like the man without fear, like bet- in the interim between soul and this but what's what's the deal with mike murdoch and he doesn't know that daredevil is matt murdoch but he's like whoa can a guy you know pretending to be his brother visit his brother's old friend and it's like so you're pretending to be the guy you're talking to who's pretending to be somebody else but you don't know it's that was confusing for me what's where's mike at these days he's he's real now but i think originally he wasn't real it suggests something matt murdoch made up a false brother that he pretended to be to in the seventies at some point to like cover some, yeah, some, some, for some reasons. Um, But then a few years ago, I forget why, but Mike Murdoch became real. Like, was it like the purple (laughs) man willed him into existence somehow or something or something like that? I don't know if it was a purple man. It might've been Mephisto. I don't know. It was was something, (laughs) but now he's real and he's partnering up um, platonically with Butch, who's the Kingpin's long lost other son. Okay. He's now become a crime lord. So Butch, the guy that got freed, is Kingpin's son. We see, we know that, but yeah. he's got two sons. I don't know the Kingpin's other son. Uh, his other son is I don't remember his real name. He was the villain, the Rose, introduced to Spider-Man back in the day. I don't even know if that guy's still alive. Well, so yeah, I felt a little out of the loop at those two points, but not so much so that I was upset or confused. I was just like, God, I how much happened in those issues? I didn't I, read. I was surprised that Mike Murdoch who is who's now real and apparently because he's real as matt's brother that he doesn't know that matt is daredevil i assumed he did but i guess not okay well uh, yeah just to your point the way that his son tells off kingpin is pretty scary because you never know when the kingpin's gonna snap i also really like just the way that the rhino is written in this i love and we can kind of harken back to that one story i forget what it was i think in like the 2000s that was like just a really great rhino story and it totally humanized the rhino yeah um but yeah, yeah I can't, he's a good human in this. Yeah, and I was surprised by that too. And I can't remember, because there's been two rhinos, and I can't remember if this is the original rhino or right. the Russian the Russian rhino. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. he's not written with a Russian accent yeah. in this. Yeah, so this must be the original. Hey, Django, I know you didn't read this one, but do you want to tell everybody about the ad that was in this book? That Spider-Man one? Yeah. It just looks so cool. It does. It's like a Spider-Man... S- standing on a, or sitting squatting over a spider-man's chest as they fall to the ground from a great height and it looks like they're punching each other um it's for the end of the almost weekly spider-man series right the the zeb wells run yeah and the it zeb says, wells and kelly thompson and somebody else beyond ends with a bang that lasts pages <laughs> sorry i just i tried to read that and fucked it up because uh, it starts with a weird <laughs> sentence. Beyond ends with a bang. The last pages of this comic won't just shock you. They'll traumatize you. I also really love how thick the uh, borders of all the body parts are in the ink line there. God, I'm mm-hmm. such a sucker for that. Yeah. who Do we know who drew that? Uh, that Bradshaw? Looks like Bradshaw, yeah. Oh, is that who it is? Or Art Adams, who's also been doing some of those. Yeah, covers. I was thinking, but there's no, yeah, there's no signature anywhere. Or is it Patrick Gleason? Oh, that's who's been doing the issue. J- Roman just devil's reign is so good and chip zadarsky offends me that he's so good it it like makes me feel smaller and insignificant that he is so funny and sarcastic and witty and then also writes some of the best 
totally legitimate dramatic superhero comics at the same time yeah yeah it surprises me that and there's a scene in here between Otto octavius and wilson fisk and it's like man Otto just kind of just ran over the kingpin and and you start getting some hints of wow Otto's a lot more powerful in this whole devil's reign thing than than we thought um i really like this characterization for Otto. you know considering yeah. the last like really significant time i feel like we were seeing him a lot was in the superior spider-man run i like the the malice that he has in this and he's much more he's pretty sadistic and intelligent and, co- and competent i guess more of a villain than he was in the superior of course yeah and he's using his arms for like delicate things like <laughs> pouring himself and four-armed wolverine drinks and it's i like it when he uses I, his arms for like I, little minute things too that stood out to me as well roman what'd you give this book i gave it a uh, let's see i've forgotten what our theme is dude i gave oh, it a nine man. <laughs> yeah bud I, you gotta I make sure it... not put the tip too deep in the wave or else you're gonna go down belly flop <laughs> I, I, gave, I, I gave it nine gnarly uh whatever kind of gnarly waves or pipes. pipes sure pipes yeah, yeah. in pipes new ramps. direction we we rent we in new direction we grade everything's in pipes um so i gave it eight and a half pipes which means i was on the way to nine and i took a tumble (laughs) bushed busted my face open on the reef (laughs) man at least that reef bro at least the reef oh spit all over my comic you're gonna one lucky reader is gonna get that one (laughs) come on in you could clone this big old chunk of blonde meat (laughs) big old suntan chunk of meat Oh God! Um, <laughs> hey Django, can you tell? Can you decide where we go next? Well, I was thinking we'd read X Deaths of Wolverine. Should we pause yeah. while we read it? Pause while we read it. Isn't that the new direction? Like we we um, read them live. Pause a while. Yep. yep. Cool. We, we, hey everyone, hang just, out. We'll see you in about fifteen. Wait, we're only yeah, one of you guys. We, we should just read it out loud to the to the to the viewer to the listener. <laughs> I mean, I love it. Okay, cool. <laughs> Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Cough, cough. Wait, Hot Django, dogs you and do cold beer. Wait, 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 wait. Yes, no, no, no. Diesel three twenty on Let It three hundred one. Yeah, I was gonna say, hey, hey, Django, how about you do sound effect, Roman? You do narration. I'll do dialogue. All right. I just got a text message from Will. <laughs> I just got a text message from Will Elmer who said I was traveling to Portland to work today and I forgot to send an email, but I love you guys and hope you have an cliffhanger. <laughs> a happy episode seven slash 258 what he doesn't know is it's episode Aww. three or sorry New. season three episode one transformative reading express ex- transformative reading experiences where we where we become new directions <laughs> where this nice. week we became new direction well it's a new direction and it's you so didn't bad. know you're playing along well because he forgot to send an email makes me feel not so I've, bad about having forgotten to upload our podcast today so i've never <laughs> seen you giggle at dick jokes like this jeff I farted on Tuesday, I think, maybe maybe before that. I actually had a bad day Tuesday, so I doubt I farted that day. But maybe it was a couple of days before that I farted. Because I only farted for a couple of days. And uh, Django went, I didn't, you don't usually make those kind of jokes. Like, I just farted. And he said, you don't usually make those kind of jokes. And it really was one of my favorite lines. Um, very good tit for tat there. Um, okay, sorry. <laughs> New Directions has gotten us a little bit off topic here, but my board's bringing me into the bay and I'm looking at X Deaths of Wolverine number two, written by Benjamin Percy, art by Federico Vincentini (laughs) and Dijo Lima. And I can't for the life of me tell you who does the art in X Lives of Wolverine. 
I think it's a Kubert. Is that what we came upon? I think the first issue was. I okay. couldn't say for sure, but I thought the first issue was. I can't remember. I know that I like the art in the other one more, but <clears> I <throat> like the story in this one more. Of the four X-Lives and X-Deaths of Wolverine that we've gotten in, this is my favorite of those issues. And I, it's the closest I got to feeling like I was Django watching Crank 2 High Voltage. Wow. And it's just Moira on the run. I just thought it was super cool chase stuff which i don't usually love but like she's on the run because she's getting followed by mystique and she's got uh warlock on her arm and like mm -hmm. she cuts off her own arm in a bathtub while getting super drunk in a bathtub of iodine and then like heats it up with a clothes iron and cauterizes her arm and it's like a mostly silent and i loved that and thought it was super cool and then she just got the hell out of there and then i thought that yeah, I thought the exploding building scene was awesome when they went to go find her. Uh, and I, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just, I don't usually like kind of action-y on the run things, but the way that this threaded this needle between following up on House of X and Powers of 10 and mm -hmm. um, a lot of what seemed like large ideas with that, like Moira has cancer. The I, I just think that the what was going to be done with Moira was an important question in House of X that never really got resolved. And I like that it's getting such focus here. And I think that it's, it's rad that she's drawn with such competence and badassery throughout this whole thing. Yeah. And the Wolverine stuff is pretty fun, too. Yeah, I almost like <clears throat> I, you know, I wonder all about it, but it, it is cool. I needed a little bit of a reminder of exactly what was going on. But yeah, there's like what seems like a time displaced Wolverine who's fused with the warlock entity and is now... Mm -hmm um yeah is now chasing chasing moira seemingly or maybe ch chasing mystique yeah we don't really know i mean he he has a complex past with mystique so wouldn't surprise me if he was after her um true. i really like the art in this quite a bit actually um i might have liked it more if it was an aftershock oh yeah it's got i mean kind of an aftershock feel to it it also kind of has a almost marco Chiquetto feel to me when i'm looking at some of these panels like mm -hmm. who we who did devil's rain we were just talking about yeah i like the bit where the shark got beat up by wolverine before it got wrestled onto the boat well your favorite animal is a shark bro that's why you're born in the water live in the water die in the water <laughs> surf your life <laughs> die in a shark mm. not in the water mm -hmm. um i don't have the same fondness for moira that you do i don't know if i like her or not i just love uh, i guess the moira story a badass whiskey drinking lady who's got cancer and is on the run and is like cutting her off her own arm and used to have dark hair, but secretly now she's blonde. <laughs> like you? Secretly now I'm blonde, even though once upon a time I had darker. Yeah, I I approve of this comic. Um, I did not like whatever the last issue that came out was. X Lives of Wolverine number two, I think it was. Yeah. Wasn't yeah. a fan of that, but... Um, I really, I really did enjoy this. And you're totally right about the crank to high voltage kind of vibes of just kind of nonstop running. The scene of like her getting into the bathtub and like turning an iron on, you don't really know what's going on. And like, you just get the little click when it's heated up enough. And you're like, man, that's a lot of alcohol. She's really boozing it up. Cause she, I, is she going to kill herself? In here? Oh my God. She's cutting her arm off and cauterizing it. Like, mm -hmm. I loved it. Roman, did you read this? I did read it. What did it, was it transformative for you? Kind of in the way that it was my least favorite issue so far. The X flies nice, and X deaths man. of Wolverine. So more of like a sunset than a sunrise vibe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think I realized with this one, I don't really care about Moira. Um, yeah, because sure, my fa man. my favorite thing. I mean, yeah, it was cool the way she like dealt with her 
her arm that Mystique is tracking her by. Um, but my favorite thing in the issue was actually when they went back the one page back on Krakoa where Forge is coring a sample out of this old thing, this old growth on Krakoa. And it's like a thousand years older than the island itself. So it introduces a new little mystery. And I was like, oh, cool. But that's love, all you get of that. <laughs> I know. My feeling is that like it's a growth pod for Wolverine from the future. And they like somehow plant it back in time. So it's like a thousand years old because it's Krakoa in the future taken back in time or something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the rest of it, I mean, I, I was picking it apart too much. Like after the scene with Wolverine and the boat and the fisherman and the shark, you know, Wolverine takes off and leaves those guys in the water. And I was like, well, what about the shark? Wolverine just killed all those guys or it's going to let the shark kill him. <laughs> I really like that Wolverine's kind of allowed to be a murderer still. Because there's also a scene when those cops come after him and, you know, he's like, don't. And they do. And he kills him. Oh, yeah. Like, I I like that his past is so messed up and he's been brainwashed and used for murder so often that we kind of still allow him to do bad things like that. Do we allow regular Wolverine to do bad things like that? Or do they have to create a weirdo future Wolverine like this one in order to get away with it? I think you could have like a brainwashed Wolverine or a mind, you know, mind control or, you know, like blacks out and does it or gets possessed by, you know, I I think that it's easier to swallow the pill when it does happen because it's a drop in a bucket for him. Whereas if Cyclops or, you know, like the Wolverine Spider-Man issue when Spider-Man killed that guy on accident, like we still talk about that one time. Whereas Wolverine, it's like, yeah, I was in Madripoor once. And Speaking of which, <laughs> rode I, this nasty wave. I hope in the the new Wolverine patch series, he's back to Madripoor with Larry Larry Hama writing. So I expect he'll be killing people there. What? Yeah, I want to talk about that book when it comes out because I don't have any context for the patch oh. era and Mister Joe Fixit Hulk eras, where those guys are both just wearing black and white suits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. With this issue, I mean, I I don't know. I'm not a fan of the art. I don't, I don't, it was too hard for me sometimes to tell, figure out what was going on. I agree. And the scene where like Wolverine goes into the fire to get this suitcase that's got this computer stuff, like it's, it's confusing. I actually reread that whole section because I was like, what is this? Also, is Mystique dead in there? Looks like Mystique's dead in there. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? He walks over a skull that's got the like little symbol of hers on it with some burnt hair. And like she goes in to get that arm and it blows up. I thought maybe he was going in to extract the warlock arm, but it actually looks like he's going in to get this briefcase. I I guess what I love so much about it is that I'm not usually into this type of thing. I'm not usually Mm. super into, and I just liked the way that the bits of action were told because it was just a bit counter to how I usually come across it. You know, I don't love like generally super action books, but I thought that this was just so kinetic and made sense. And there was so much motion and Mm -hmm. time and she cut off her arm and then got back out there. And like, it it just, it flowed really, really well. And I don't yet see how these two series kind of interlock with each other. And that interests me as well. Yeah. I'd forgotten between this issue and the previous, whatever lives death of Wolverine came out. I lost a thread. I was like, well, wait a minute. Who's this Wolverine? What's going on? I thought this book was about Wolverine. Um, Yeah. So yeah, you, you, you talk about it just now reminded me, filled in all the gaps. <laughs> Gap filling in. <laughs> I like it. It's like a day off. <laughs> Fill my gaps, dude. I gave it a 9.0, man. I rode that wave till it took me to shore. I would have gotten right back on and rode it some more. Give it a 7.5. Nice. I rode that wave as far as I wanted to. And then <laughs> I got, got off. off. I gave it off a new direction. Sorry, Roman. I stepped on you. (laughs) That's okay, dude. I was, I was trailing it. Um, I gave it a seven. Nice, man. I really overshot (laughs) that one. You guys really still ended up on your boogie boards while I was like too deep on the coast. (laughs) 
You like it, you like it, man. You like it, you like it. You like like it, you you like like. it, man. You got to just let it happen. Ride the wave. What's this podcast? Sorry, it's a Bob Dylan cast. (laughs) I'm not as good at it as Django is. (laughs) Um, Where do you want to go next, guys? Take, hey, let's do a, take me to a, Django has built a new logo for us while we've been making this shitty podcast. (laughs) Um, And it's It's very pretty. Yeah, it's good. Dang. (laughs) Well done. Um, let's go to Suicide Squad Blaze number one. I didn't read this one, guys. How was this? It was blazing, bro. Oh, listen, <laughs> I'm going to sit back here, light up a dooberoony, really get into my chill space, and you guys tell me about why Suicide Squad's blazing it up, too. No you drugs. You put your nose, you put your, your nose in that skunk and smell it, and we'll uh, we'll talk about this comic. That- smells like skunk butt. <laughs> Written by Simon Spurrier with art by Aaron Campbell and uh, obviously colors by Jordi Belair because that's who does colors. Mm -hmm. So this is a black label book. You can tell because they say bad words and it's and it's big and it seems like a lot more violent than most DC books. Um, It follows a new set of people getting recruited by the suit for the suicide squad. And uh, they first, they ask the team from the movie if they're willing to take this drug, that's going to make them super badass, um, but then kill them in three months. And they say, no, thanks. So then they get these unknown people, just other prisoners to take this drug and they all get random powers after a, an amazing fight scene. And uh, you know, they get one woman is invincible. Another guy can, can just kind of see the, the meaning behind everything. And then our narrator uh, gets invisible arms. That's his only power. He's just got invisible arms. It's, <laughs> it's a really dumb, hilarious joke in a very dark, brooding, violent comic. And he's just like, for the rest of the issue, if he's not wearing gloves, you don't really know where his hands are. And it's pretty funny. Um, but they have to they have to hunt down and kill uh, some sort of super being that is eating people's brains, like scooping their brains out, picking them up off the ground, flying them up high in the sky and eating their brains. And it's Aaron Campbell art. And he's like, he's really good at drawing scary things. Um, he did, he did, uh, what was that book? Infidel. Infidel. Yeah. He did Infidel that had some actual jump scares when you turn the page. And uh, well, it's some Constantine with Simon Spurrier, right? Yeah. The, yeah. I mean, this is the creative team behind the, Black Label, John Constantine Hellblazer book that yeah. we all liked. Which was also amazing. Well, I, th- yeah. I think it was just the regular <clears throat> one, wasn't it? The bla- Not to split. Maybe they were both Black Label. Yeah, Sorry. I don't, split I don't remember. Sorry. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's weird and violent, and it's got a dude with invisible arms. Like, what did, what did you think, Roman? It was it was very funny, and but very dark. I mean, mm-hmm. Harley in this is, she's not the cute, funny, sexy Harley. She's straight up psychotic and violent, and that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she has like, some funny lines but yeah there's one point where i realize that she's having this conversation with one of the new recruits that harley's like picking at her fingernail with her knife to the point that she's like jabbing her fingernail completely off <laughs> 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 and, and then she gets mad and then she stabs this woman in the eye <laughs> yeah and king shark just keeps asking if he can call his mom and it's kind of heartbreaking <laughs> um, yeah it, it's it's pretty inventive I don't know. I, I generally don't care about the Suicide Squad all that much, but um, this one is this one's mean enough that I really dug it. it seems yeah. Like, uh, sorry, Roman. Yeah, and please. whatever this this super bean is that's going around and randomly slaughtering people around the world. Um, mm-hmm. 
and maybe even doing worse than that. I don't know. There's there's something that they said in the autopsy scene about um, they mentioned the cervix. I was like, oh god, <laughs> um, it was the, but, the cervical, the, the spine cervix. When yeah. I broke my neck, I broke my C6 and C7, which is the cervical six and cervical seven. Oh, that's up there. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically this being is is doing a kid miracle man number oh. on the planet. Um, Good reference. And there's, uh, thanks. And there's somebody that refers to, I think one of the new recruits in the briefing is like, well, is it really that bad? I mean, it, they do the math. And I'm like, I mean, he's, even if he keeps doing this every day for the next 50 years or something, it's still only this amount of people. And, you know, so, <laughs> <laughs> so it's got a lot of great little conversations like that. Yeah. But th like then the, the guy who can see all the angles of everything later on explains that. And he's like, Oh, it, this is, this is about controlling the populace because if they realize that superheroes have this capacity like superpowered beings have this capacity then it's going to have all this other fallout within society mm, that's was, smart so like that's why the government is sending them after this person who's only killing three people a day because it, it's like morning noon and night he's, he's eating three times a day mm. um and really not to sound callous, but I'm kind of on the side of the guy who's like, three people a day is not that many. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's crunch these numbers, guys. That's not yeah. that bad. Yeah. Overpopulation a, and all that. Is it and a yeah, third there's... of a billionth of the population? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's already some good stuff with apparently the JLA isn't making any headway at solving this. And a newscaster, they start kind of questioning Superman going, well, hey, you know, what about you? What if, <laughs> and he gets offended. Wonder Woman stops the press conference. <laughs> Do you ever act on impulse is her yeah. question. And that's <laughs> yeah. like, that's uh, kind of reminded me of Mark Wade's um, irredeemable and mm -hmm. incorruptible series. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, what if Superman just didn't give a shit about people all of a sudden? Yeah. Um, it sounds like it's kind of, writing that tone that the most recent Suicide Squad movie wrote and kind of the Peacemaker show from what I sound sounds like, but I really liked the most recent Suicide Squad movie, but like just like the kind of absurdity, like the way that they paint certain things, like this guy with no arms. It's like if Zack Snyder and um, James Gunn both made a movie together, like it's it's <laughs> bleak like Zack Snyder and absurd like James Gunn can pull off. I like I like James Gunn. <laughs> and I like the way Zack Snyder yeah. makes things look at times. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was pretty solid stuff. Uh, I don't even really know how many issues it's going to be. I would assume three and probably every other month. So I'm going to forget to read the second one, but I'd give this a solid eight and a half. Hell yeah. I gave it I, I, I got another nine of them pipes, <laughs> man, nine pipes. That sounds really good on the topic of the pipe. We all got in here together. I took a real tumble. Because Django looks concerned. Wait, bro, are we talking? What pipes are we talking about? The score, man. We grade in pipes, man. But like the pipes are like the pipes. You know, well, it's a new direction, my friend. You tell me which pipe you mean. <laughs> nobody <laughs> listen. Hey, when I say nobody listens, I mean nobody listens. Um, <laughs> new direction, man. Hey, let's take a second. Put our noses into the, the wave, change around, make a new direction in this new direction. Board shorts, be damned. Let's take it a left and go to the Bourbon Legends. <laughs> Batman, Urban Legends, number 12. <laughs> this one pulled these board shorts right off from underneath me, I tell you what. Boy, so this first story by Vida Ayala. What did you guys think of that? <laughs> There's only one story in this comic, what? and thank God it's 22. Oh, the Ram V? <laughs> nope. No, the Mohel nope. Meshigo? We're here to nope. talk about Mark nope. Russell and Raheem Mostert's story about a dog. Yep. 
starring Carl Channing Mostert. Tatum called Dog. What did I say? Raheem. Raheem Mostert <laughs> is the running back for the San Francisco 49ers who got injured this season and missed most of the season, but should likely make their return next year, assuming that the 49ers decide to extend their contract. But he is actually on the final year of his deal with his last one. So Raheem Mostert, we're thinking about you. We love you. And uh, I hope to see you on the field next year. Your friend Carl, trust though, you on that. <laughs> your friend what? Carl, yeah. though. <laughs> Um, man, that's another that's another thing about Carl Moser that I really like is he has the same last name as that football player that I <laughs> like a lot. And that's always been a connection for me. Maybe that's why I like his art so much. I'm just thinking about Eric being Rakeem. Is the, that uh, the, the rappers from the yeah, the Rizza? <laughs> no, before the that. Before that. Dirty Bastard. Before that. Zoop. Well, are you talking about when it was Rakeem? Because it was he was a pop, like a crappy pop musician before he was in Wu-Tang. This is Raheem. Okay, different. Because Rocky, I, I, I have, I have, I sorry, I derailed things. I have no idea if he has any association with with Wu Tang. Because the Rizzo, all, all I remember is in the '80s there was a couple rappers named Eric B and Rakim. I think. Oh, wow. Who knows? Maybe I'm conflating totally unrelated guys. I don't know. We love you, Rakim. <laughs> yeah, that's the Eric B. Have and you guys Rakeem. heard Carl Mostert's rap album? No, tell Walked me about with it. Old Dirty Bastard. <laughs> It's all about Ace the Bat Dog. I like Jeff's Google face. <laughs> a Google. <laughs> a Google. <laughs> Roman, you keep making noise because it's bad when we have dead air. So you keep giggling while Jeff Googles. He giggle, he giggle. Okay, so like Rakeem. Ha! Oh, Rakeem. My guy. Different dude. Different dude. Different dude. All right. Totally different guy. Okay, Rakim, different Rakim. Okay, totally different guy. I don't like that Rakim. I love this Rakim. That Rakim can go out there. I don't need you, Rakim. Stand in the back. This Rakim, he's great. I've never seen you do Dana Carvey doing George Bush as well as you just did. That was Donald Trump. I thought it was supposed to be Trump, yeah. Dana, Dana Carvey doing George Bush is had to apologize to Barr, accidentally brought her in the room, no good, called Saddam, brought him in, said, Saddam, this is not going to go any further. It's Dana Carvey doing Saddam. You're right. That's 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 an even sorry, better Dana Carvey, Dana Carvey doing, doing Saddam. George Bush. Sorry. Saddam. Sorry. Um, <laughs> new direction, folks. New, new direction, direction, everyone. Board shorts be damned. Oh, what's that down there? It's a new direction. <laughs> oh, my friends. We got in the wave, we got in the pipe, and now we're talking dogs. Django, <laughs> you and I. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> what does it even mean? I don't man? know what a dog is in this context. I'm so bad at this it's game. It's a beautiful dog, man. Um, and it's a oh, chicken like a that dog. plays checkers or chess. It's a bear that's scared yeah. and sad. Will you tell us about this as a man who doesn't care for animals? <laughs> yeah, Literally, a, you don't care for animals and emotionally you don't care. You could take them or leave them. There's a guy. He's got chickens and shit. <laughs> nice. Nine. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Ace the Bat Dog in the in the pre previously on Bourbon Legends number 11, uh, Batman's dog Ace was mm -hmm. taken to this guy who has... Uh, a pet cemetery and kind of a pet research lab. And in this issue, we learn all about his research lab. Um, things like that he has a chicken who they've cut the legs off of to force it to learn how to use its mind to run a wheelchair. And he's got a tortoise that 
is on a treadmill being incentivized to keep running as fast as it can by saw blades right behind it on the on the other end of the treadmill and um he's got a, a big old bear and lex luther's old dog and it's it, like a really sad bear with only one hand and he's got scratches all over his face and he's got like spots where he's like missing hair and stuff and it's like super super sad and i was looking at him and the way that carl and his friend rakim draw him is <laughs> really sad he's scared and he puts his head on the wall like he's a really sad bear and they even say at one point um if you hurt an animal enough at some point it forgets which humans it's supposed to be afraid of and it's simply terrified of everybody and that's what they did to that bear and that's a nightmare that poor nightmare. bear's face that panel when he shows him sitting in the corner of, of his cage and he's just got his head pressed laid oh. against the wall it's, it's the saddest bear image i've ever seen i've ever seen this was one of the most heartbreaking the bear has three legs and scars on his fa- her face and she's scared all the time yeah and she does a winnie the pooh like that 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 shot of looking at the wall looks like winnie the pooh to me it's not like if you crossbreed winnie ring, the pooh hair on it crossbreed winnie the pooh with eeyore that's a sad bear that's a really sad bear this is a book that is like kind of a batman book but mostly like a, a cooler version of homeward bound it seems it's like homeward bound with batman yeah and it has it has elements of that fable where the like the cock and the ass and the dog all go on an oh, it sounds like wednesday night at romans <laughs> <laughs> ride the pipe <laughs> <laughs> happy birthday roman <laughs> roman's birthday is tomorrow on the time of recording Woo-hoo! so if you're listening to this make sure you say a belated birthday <laughs> A blazed birthday victim. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so they they eventually escape. There's the art in this is just spectacular, and like I know you guys like the animal parts. I really like the uh, the fact that Lex Luthor's dog is named Lix Luthor. That's what I've got <laughs> open here to talk about. Lix Luthor, and he's rejected. Lex likes him, but he learns that he's allergic to him. He's like, get that thing out of here. Just kill it. I don't care. Yeah, and try to get a refund. And try to get a refund. Yeah, and then. I think my favorite part of the whole issue, and you guys are going to think I'm just a heartless bastard for this, but my favorite part of the whole issue is that they're walking through this animal research lab and doing all these horrible things to animals. And uh, the main guy, who's the guy who said no problemo in the last issue, mm. um, has on the wall a hang in there poster with a cat. I saw, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that is, that is the most um, Mark, Mark Russell? Russell thing I can imagine having in that lab. And I, I have... Maybe Carl Mostert has that same sensibility, but that just felt like a Mark Russell gag to me. No, for sure it did. And there's a squirrel named Lil Nuts who's a thief. Uh, like it's, <laughs> if you like animal stuff, this is amazing. If you like the extended bat family, this is amazing. If you like nice art, it's amazing. And if you like Mark Russell, it's it's amazing. I don't know. I don't know. It was a nine, but I want to say a 10. Roman, what were you thinking? They're, they're um, first of all, I can't wait to see see the see the animals destroy this horrible torture lab because it's just it's so it's so offensive um but the way they the animals team up because they've because they've been experimenting to make these animals all smarter um just so they can use them for nefarious things or just to see if they can do it um but the way they team up and use their their newfound intelligence to escape the lab is awesome it's a great jailbreak sequence Mm -hmm. and it's crazy because carl mostert you know, his art is so patterned after Frank quietly is such a clear influence. It's like, I kept thinking, it's like, Oh, Carl gets to do his own. We three. Yeah. 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 And there's something about the colors on there. I think there's really only one page of Batman in here. Right. 
And yeah, but they look good. It super reminded me of uh, my favorite parts of the Chris Burnham run on Batman and Robin or the, mm. the, the Frank quietly. He did Batman and Robin, right? Yeah. I nuts. Yeah. Um, just, just maybe Bruce has too many teeth in that picture, but I don't care. Cause he looks intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it maybe not as good as the first issue, but it's also maybe better. Cause it was just like so much silent animal stuff. And he really like Mark Russell, you know, did a great job of plotting them working together. And they, he found an artist that, uh, just was did adorable, adorable stuff. I don't collect a lot of issues, everyone, but I've got both Carl Mostert copies of this series sitting right next to me right now because it's going to stay home with me because I'm going to keep it as the implication I was making. I might, I might. I'm hoping that eventually they just collect the Ace the Bat Hound stories by Mark Russell and then I'll get that. Me too, but the Carl Mostert covers are. Oh, yeah. Those covers so are amazing. Good. If they do a collection yeah. of just the animal one, I'll get rid of these fucking things. Yeah. As long as it has those covers in yeah. them too. Yeah. Um, I gave it, well, I gave that story. I didn't read the rest of the stories, but I gave that story a 10. Oh, you did what I wanted. I gave it a nine, but I changed it to a 10. 10 okay, pipes, ten, man. 10 pipes. 10 pipes. Lay the pipe. Get in the center. It cannot Dump. hold, except it can. I give Double it a nine tenor, also. dude. Double tenor. That's Double a 20. Tenor. That's a 20. What did you give it, Gungay? I'm going to... I. I don't like the number 30. We're going to make it 39 for all. So 19 29. for you. I love 29 it. 29 <laughs> for all. Russian stout for me. Ride the wave. Ride and the wave. Flipping through it, the, the rest of the art actually looks really good. Um, yeah. No, I didn't no. read any of the stories, but like the, this first artist, uh, Nicola Sismija, mm. looks like what I... Looks like the um, oh god the, the Riley Rossmo that you like, right. yeah, like Riley Rossmo before he got like super super cartoony. Django, I didn't uh, flip through that story yet, but as soon as you started talking about, it, I did, and that's exactly how I felt as well. Yeah, and the Rom V story has art that is just gorgeous. Also. Yeah, so I read I, the the first issue's Rom V, and that was actually pretty good. Yeah, I think I think this is definitely uh, worthy of of picking up if you're if you're interested at all in any one of those stories, but especially. The Mark Russell, R- R- Rufus Mostert story. Rufus Wainwright's brother, Raheem Mostert's friend, Carl Mostert. <laughs> um, okay, so let's take this wave and just divert the direction. Let's create a new direction for this wave and head towards Vietnam, right? Let's uh, mm-hmm. let's have much like Superman did uh, today. He's going to go underneath the water and do a big clap and make the wave go a different direction. Let's ride this wave to Vietnam. I don't know how we'd made such a big thing about Roman needing to read this series. And he did. And somehow he didn't finish issue number two for this <laughs> podcast. I didn't even start issue number two, even though it was our favorite issue of the week <laughs> the last time. And we told him how much it was good. But you did and read issue one, right? I did read issue one. And you I liked it? Was it? All, yeah, I thought it was all right. What the here's, fuck? Here's, here's a metric I'd like. Are you just Jeff? being like stern for me or something? I feel like it's an overlap of two things that we love. I'm messing with you, dude. Oh, bro. You just took bro. that doob out of your mouth long enough to drop that sick joke on my chest while I was ripping this word. <laughs> Oh man, I'm gonna feel no, dumb I like about the fir- this podcast. I like the first one. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait for the next episode where we go in a new direction with this. Oh man, board shorts be damned. I just wish I knew a new direction song. <laughs> one Direction is the band. Oh damn, wasn't there a new direction? Yeah, it was in the it was in the TV show Glee. 
the new direction. Oh, that's what I'm thinking. Oh, no, <laughs> I've never seen Glee. Oh no, uh, we've been chomping I, somebody else's flame this whole time. Oh, you, you, you sure weren't. Oh, dang. Um, well, hey, let's talk about a patch delivery service, which is to say, Django and I read this once again, and Roman will be reading it, and I hope he likes it. I was, I would, I hope he likes it. It's a thing that I really liked, and I feel like it's an overlap of things that we both like, but maybe it's not done to his standard. I don't know. Um, I would like to see a list of comics that we sell by creators where if people buy issue one and two, do they drop off on issue three? Because I don't think there's a Matt Kent, Tyler Jenkins story that if people get the, the beginning, I don't think they drop off. Yeah, I, I think they're a really great creative team. So this is, again, the same creative team as Grass Kings, which we talked about in Book Club. It's a, a creative team. that's kind of a fan favorite at our store. And this story is telling the story of a Navajo soldier who's been drafted to Vietnam and is in a group in Vietnam with some other American soldiers. And he spends time alone surveying and finding the areas with which the American soldiers need to bomb. He doesn't like killing people, but it's the only way that he can get away from the Vietnam soldiers. And at the end of the last issue, he fell into a trap of an explorer who is looking for Nazi gold in Vietnam. And in this issue, we learn a little bit more about the Nazi treasure that he's hunting. And the two find themselves caught up in a firefight between the American and uh, Vietnam soldiers and get caught into a trap. And maybe there's witches involved in Vietnam. And Nazi secrets and the history of the Nazi secrets and some really uh, innovative art by Tyler Jenkins that kind of reminded me at times a little bit of like J.H. Williams III, just in the way that he'll use an entire page at a time to tell multiple scenes without panel breaks, but just sort of images bleeding into one another. And I really enjoyed that. New. Yeah. And that, <laughs> and that, uh, that situation that I think I've seen in other comics before, but it's always horrifying when there's somebody in a firefight, like in the middle of a firefight between the U.S. soldiers and the Viet Cong is like, I can't even imagine being in between those two people just doing their straight up best to kill each other. It, I think there was an issue of Preacher like that, maybe. This made me really want to watch the Vietnam War documentary that uh, the documentary man made. And mm -hmm. uh, I would love to watch it again. I've got a DVD copy of it. I loved it the first time through. But it also really made me want to reread Scalped. And yeah. just because this art, Tyler Jenkins really does remind me of the art of R.M. Guerra and the kind of way that it, you can feel the dirtiness of Vietnam and the, you know, like the mud of the jungle and like, you know, or like the dry dust of the reservation. Like you can, you know, it's just really in the art here. The atmosphere is amazing. And I just kind of to your point, Django, about being caught in the middle of those two in Vietnam, like it's just a time frame and a situation that I find endlessly fascinating because mm -hmm. I can't. I can't think of a time in history, like American history, where, you know, things have been more lawless than the Vietnam War. Um, yeah. Except for the cowboy days. Maybe next time we'll get a nudie in the old West. I think they were kind of repressed, though. Yeah, you're probably right. Like uh, American soldiers, at least, didn't seem to have any inhibitions at all. No, they're that. smoking heroin out of guns. They're doing each other in the buns. They're having fun and getting the runs. <laughs> Oh, sweet, man. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Uh, I really like the revelation at the end of this one, which is just out of nowhere. We're told that uh, yeah, this Nazi gold is guarded by ancient witches. And I believed it. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, like nothing really supernatural has happened in here. There's there's creepy kind of occulty stuff going on in the in the fringes, but right before the light goes out at the end of the issue, it's guarded by ancient witches. And and that really tickled me. No, I I'm I'm totally with you. It's it's fantastic. It's right there with Grass Kings for me. Maybe not quite up to that same tier, but also Grass Kings didn't tickle the kind of like Vietnam soft spot that I have. So mm-hmm. um when I was just your isolationist at- bone. Exactly. My isolationist bone, but that bone goes right into the 8.5. Oh, wait, no, the niner pipe. I've got this niner pipe. I've got to lay down on the sand. Where's your pipe going? I'm going to put it in your niner pipe. Double niner pipe. You're going to ride this one all the way to Vietnamers. 99er pipe. Charlie don't serve. That's an Apocalypse Now reference. <laughs> oh, I know. I just watched it recently. Did you really? <laughs> yeah. The only time I ever watched that movie, I was on acid. Uh, I thought it was a Professor X reference. Charles Xavier doesn't surf. <laughs> He's got, he can't either. move his legs. He's <laughs> yeah. paralyzed. He Jesus doesn't do a lot. He doesn't Christ, drive. He's a, he's a lousy surfer. Yeah, man. I just like intuitively <laughs> just was right like, off. he doesn't drive Django. Like I, my, my indignant voice immediately went to Django instead of Roman who actually made the voice. That, so, um, you know, sorry, Django. I thought you were making a, a reference to my buddy. No, we didn't. Do you have friends? <laughs> I'm sorry. That was so mean. You're my best buddy. I don't know. I uh, I don't think I've mentioned this guy on the podcast before. Um, but I I had a friend who I was I was his best man designated driver wedding photographer. That's a lot for a wedding. <laughs> yeah, on uh, New Year's Eve in Arizona one year, I flew from New Orleans to Arizona to do all that. Um, He's an American guy who met his wife on a Tom Waits mailing list Hmm. uh, shortly before he went to prison for being a paraplegic driving a stick shift with a broom handle drunk. And uh, he ended up going to prison for a little while. And when he got out, I was his I was at his wedding doing all that stuff. So not only do you love Garth Ennis comics, but you also live them. (laughs) It. This this guy, yeah, this he, sounds he, like the most Garth Ennis, like the guy driving drunk with a broomstick handle because he's he paralyzed is maybe one of the most direct from in Ennis script I've ever heard. Yeah. Um. Hey, guys, I know it's a weird transition. But do you guys want to talk about Joker? Yeah, but can I get a beer first? Yeah, you can get a beer. I need a brewski, bro. Oh, my God. Hey, listen, <laughs> listen, Django. Hey, hey, hey oh, your board's hey, my board. Your board's on yeah. my board. Your board's oh. on my board. Get that oh, off. I, this is I, a new board. Sorry, I, I got it. Your nose is donking my nose. Hey, that cooler, the red one uh-huh. over there, don't go to that one. That one's all my personal brews, but the blue one behind it, that's all you, dude. Rome get brews. A, I'm get a cooler. A brew. Get yourself a Coors. Hey, everyone's back. We just ripped a nice wave together. And now that we're sitting on the beach on our towels, I think it's nice to just dry off, hang out in the sun, feel the sand in our hair, the sand in our toes, the sand in our cracks. And... Uh, talk a little bit about The Joker, number 12, by our friend Jimmy Tinian Vin and his artist, Guillaume March, I believe. Joker. Oh, do you hear the bay out Joker, there? Joker. The Midnight Joker. I love that song. This, I think, and Roman might agree, huh? is one of the best issues of the Joker series that has come out since uh, the first couple. I think for I me, do agree. Yes. Yeah, like for for me, the the setup was amazing, where it's Jim Gordon being tasked to go get the Joker and kill him by a mysterious rich woman. And slowly but surely, we've found out that the mysterious rich woman is related to the Court of the Owls, and she has this big bodyguard, and we don't know who he is, really. Um, and Jim has been faced with this sort of 
do I go kill the Joker or not conundrum? And in the meantime, we've met the daughter of Bane and Joker has been a butthole. And, you know, we've we've had a lot of I guess there's like a can a rich cannibal cult uh, that rules the world behind the scenes. And um, this one just has amazing art by Giuseppe Camincoli like kind of in the style of his Hellblazer run, which was amazing. And then uh, we also get a, a really good reveal of who that guy kind of behind the scenes, the bodyguard of the rich woman that hired Jim Gordon is. And uh, also we get to see the Joker in a ball gag getting ready to be carved up into food. So um, lots of good stuff in this. Yeah. And as usual, a lot of good Gordon stuff. And uh, Orphan, another member of the Bat family gets involved. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of cool because I feel like she's like the least... She's the most, in the story, she's the most mysterious member of the Bat family and the one everybody, including Bullock, are like, you're real? <laughs> yeah. And I trust you. Yeah, and it was cool seeing the reveal of who that bodyguard is because throughout, every time I see him, I think of, uh, oh, the big hulking clone in Morrison's Batman and Robin um, that was turned out to be like Damien's kind of bigger brother. Right, right. So, yeah, he's, he's got so this... Look. Yeah, this guy, every time I see him, I was like, it's, they're not bringing him back, are they? No. Should we say it? I don't know. Yeah, you should say it. It's Bane. But but it but like Bane. It's huh? not. It's not it's the Bane. woman Bane? No. But no, there's a woman the, Bane, too. Bane, the daughter of Bane is in the series as okay. well, but the real yeah. Bane is the the bodyguard behind the rich lady. And uh, that's interesting, because we thought that Bane was dead. Even like the right. kind of interesting part of issue one was that there was sort of this section of the town that was living as a memorial to Bane because he had died mm-hmm. in the Arkham you know, thing. But that's yeah, great the, that he didn't die because he's a great villain. The A-Day. And it's revealed in this that Bane is behind A-Day. I really oh. like the, the kind of turn that we've seen. And I think it kind of started with Tom King, right? Where Bane is a mastermind. Like not only is he this super strong, beefy berserker but he's also very very smart i think originally he was kind of written that way and then largely after because he was kind of orchestrated the outbreak of prisoners to be able to then break batman's back like he was kind of a brilliant mastermind and then after the schumacher film i think he was kind of just portrayed as a big old lump of dumb muscle for a good while but uh, even in the animated series i remember like that was my introduction to him before the live action film and he was pretty uh imposing then as well as an intellectual force so but what's his weakness well he's reliant on the venom and he had that great run in secret six by gail simone where i think they like actually mm-hmm. like really explore his character in a fantastic way I, okay. I i think he's a really underrated character but yeah. i'm also a, a product of the era where he was yeah. introduced and, so and those original stories where mm-hmm. he escapes from the prison on santa prisca and yeah everything i mean he masterminded all that okay yeah i guess i guess yeah. so that's that's interesting because he he always just I guess I expect my villains to be kind of one note, right? And he's clearly strong. So how could he be also smart? Well, I think he was, you know, introduced that way and then basically written as one note for a long time after that. So I I think that that's a a very common conception about him is that he's just a lump of muscle. This kind of gave me feelings, like similar feelings to when I read Hush for the first time and found out who, um, who Hush was, Mm. you know, like that was, that was a good mystery that, that, dragged on long enough that it was exciting when you got the reveal yeah um and i i don't know i i was just tickled that uh bane has been in this book since the first issue and we didn't know it yeah and i like the fact that gordon kind of suspected that maybe it was bane and because he never thought bane was actually dead so i like that too just i i really like this jim gordon book yeah yeah it's nice and nice and crimey i just wish it was titled gordon and not joker oh just pretend buddy 
I yeah. know. It's just like, yeah. I think the best, when I choose not to read it for the last like three or four issues, I'm like, it's like more of a Gordon book, right? But it's a Joker book. I, I don't know. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a hard jump to make. They just had to call it Joker so they could sell more. Yeah, you're right. That's a, Have that's you a... seen the sales numbers on those <clears throat> GCPD spinoff Gordon books that they did 15 years ago? He's just so hard boiled. I think our podcast probably rates an average Jim Gordon book much higher than other other ones do. You're curious. Yeah. You have two of the There's same beanie. Two. Yeah, of course I do. Dude, I thought you were just a dirty bastard, but it. No, man, I've got two matching beanies so I can ride the waves in the wet and have one on the dry. <laughs> Roman, are you reading the backup stories in this? I am not. Okay, what do you give the book? <laughs> I, I well, I gave I gave the Joker story, the Jim Gordon story, a nine. I don't know about punchline because I only read the first two chapters of that and I didn't care. I'm gonna give it a nine and a half just because I I wish that Giuseppe Kim and Coley was drawing a third of the books in the world. There's just something yeah. about the way he does shadows. I think the colors in this don't help him, but it's still some of the better art in a DC book lately. Has he been the artist all along on this series? I think he's been on and off of it. Okay. Um, and every one, like every once in a while, there's a page or a panel that is just a little weird and maybe a little too round. But when he when he really hits those angular faces, it just yeah. there's there's just something about it. It's like like Sean Phillips with uh, detail. Sean Phillips. Guillaume, Guillaume March was doing the art for a while in it. That's right. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This in general, this book has just had good art. Yeah. I really like the way he draws um, Orphan's face, her mask, because mm -hmm. he really emphasizes the the stitching that makes her look like she's scowling. I, I want to flip through this book because I, you know, the way that you're describing it, it sounds like Giuseppe Camicoli has a really diverse artistic style, which I think is admirable because they were doing mm -hmm. the art and the Flash Rebirth book when that started. And that was like a relatively cartoony, very kinetic motion filled thing with kind of a lot of inky detail. And uh, I I'm interested to flip through this. It sounds like they're a pretty diverse artist. Yeah. And he did. He did a lot of the art in the later issues of Hellblazer. Like, oh, yeah. Near I think the around the I was same. Yeah. Maybe even a bunch of the Azarello books as well. Um, hmm. but he did a bunch of the stuff around the same time that Bisley was drawing it as well. And just those, those two artists on that book were, they, they couldn't be more different or more appealing to me. Hmm. Um, did you both give scores? Sorry. 9.5 pipes, bro. Nine and a half pipes. I love that. Tip down on the way to 10. Uh, you said nine, gave it, Roman. I gave it nine pipes. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. Well, Hey, um, do you guys want to see what happens if you spend 90 seconds in the pipe? Can you make it to the end? Do you know what I mean, my big hairy friend? Oh, I don't like any of that. Oh, my I like bad. All of, I like all of it. <laughs> yeah, I know you do because you're a big hairy friend. My bad. His birthday Bob starts. Dylan. This guy's birthday is, I know, as soon as we started talking about Bob Dylan, like California guy became Bob Dylan guy. <laughs> we have two hour and 14 minutes until it's Roman's birthday Podcast so let's no, no, I, was, no, Let, no I, I wasn't born till like seven something in the morning so let's got, kill hours, hours let's kill uh one and a half of those 133 minutes now with 90 seconds going towards roman's little buckshot time in the tube hey tube time 
Roman, you're up first, big birthday boy. Mount your surfboard, get your feet wherever you go. Are you a longboard? Are you a shortboard? Are you making tricks? Are you riding the wave to the coast? What do you want to do? Time to coast. 90 seconds, go. <laughs> oh, bros, I was trying to read my comics and I got too close with a bonfire. Caught fire, it was blaze, man, blaze. Uh, but I do remember Norse mythology number, actually, it's so confusing. Norse mythology three, number one. One, uh, which are Neil Gaiman stories, but art, the first, this is one big story in this issue, the art by David Rubin, who's an old favorite of ours. Yeah. And it's beautiful and weird and goofy. It's, you know, one of the classic Hemir and Thor's fishing expedition where, where Thor tricks a giant and they, and Thor catches the Midgard serpent and tries to haul it up and the giant's panicking and it's a lot of fun because it's David Rubin. Um, I read all of Strange Love Adventures, number one. Holy but, shit, you did. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's strange love. I had to do it. Yeah, um, man. Ride the wave <laughs> to the end. Ride the serpent. Which is one of those big old $10 anthology books, stories. But the best stories in it are the last three, which is an Alfred story and a Sergeant Rock story on the island that time forgot. Those are both tens. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Batman Riddler story is the last story in the book. And that was a nine. They're just all very good stories. The Alfred story. Man, they got to bring Alfred back. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. a story about what it means to be a good butler and to spend your life in service to, to a guy like Bruce Wayne. And it's, it's just fascinating and touching and, and Oh, sad. Um, I also read secret. What is this thing called? Secret X-Men number one, which, yeah, it was all right. I don't know. Yeah. Another X book. (laughs) Hey, Roman is the Island of time forgot the one from new frontier. Uh, yes. I, it, it was in there, yeah. But it's an old DC war comic, an island where there's dinosaurs and World War II. And... So that's what New Frontier was based on. Roman, sounds like you need to oh. reread New Frontier. But yeah, it's been a long time. That yeah. one, <laughs> villain of that is this island that has all these dinosaurs on it that oh, okay, yeah. Sergeant Rocket's lost on and they all fight at the end. But when I was reading Superman, Son of Kal 8 this week, it gave me yeah. strong New Frontier vibes. And I was like, is mm. that the same thing? And it was not. But the fact that two issues came out this week that kind of, either directly referenced or echoed that same story is very cool to me. Yeah. Cause I thought in son of Kal-El, they, was it that issue? Well, they, there was a story where John, little John Kent and his dad, Superman went to that Island. That was an amazing couple of issues. Yeah. That was like a few years ago, but yeah. Was that Tomasi? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We loved it. Yeah. And yeah, I in the time forgot it's a, one of the, you know, world war two DC world war two stories. I forget that's that a, came, came out in the sixties. Yeah, I, I when I read New Frontier, I thought that was a new idea that Darwin Cook had put forth. I didn't realize that it was a thing harkening back to the past. And I, when it's referenced, I always assume it's uh, referencing the New Frontier. That's awesome, Roman. You just blew my holes open. <laughs> I love what I could do that. I do, do. <laughs> hey, Django, um, before Jar I, get, I was about to surprise you, Django, but I realized Roman didn't give scores. Oh, uh, I did for the stories I read and. Strange love. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I'll just... The way you no. scored that means I'm going to have to recode our entire website to account for scores on stories <laughs> inside of an issue. What, well, when I when I bitch. when I do that, like with urban urban legends, I try to remember to put a little where you can write a review. Instead, I just wrote that's only for the one this hmm. one story. Blah blah blah. Um, nice. Norse mythology. I gave a nine point five just nice. for the David Rubin art. Love Rubin. And I don't think oh. And I did briefly mention Secret X-Men. I gave that a, I give that a six. (sighs) Hey, Jeff. Yeah. I know you wanted to sabotage me, but you got 90 seconds. Okay. 
Um, Archie Love and Heartbreak number one special. I read because I read all those Archie books, I guess. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. I gave it a six. Not great. Superman, Son of Kal-El number eight. Love Tom Taylor. I don't know that I actually like that book that much. We continue to just say it's my least favorite Tom Taylor book. I love him. I love all of his stuff, but that's my least favorite. I want to talk about Batman Catwoman number 10, though. This one... It's crazy that we didn't talk about this in the main portion of the episode because we so often talk about mainstream books by artists and creators that we love. And this is one of those things, Tom King. What I feel like is this is issue 10 of ultimately what's going to be a 12-issue story. And I think that issue 10 really feels like half of a penultimate issue. That series has jumped between narratives and timeframes so much. It's been a joy to keep track of that and try and follow the story and feel good about it. But it's been happening seemingly at shorter intervals at a time, almost like you're jumping between different timeframes at increasingly rapid rates since the Mm -hmm. beginning. And at this point, it's increasing at a rate where it's starting to feel like we're getting to like a singular narrative. Like when you get a bunch of things vibrating at different frequencies, but near the end of all kind of syncing up, it's it's telling the same story, bouncing through different timeframes but it's getting kind of hard to follow the actual narrative there. So uh, while I liked it a lot and love the series, I feel like issue 10 really needs issue 11. And I think it's going to be capped off by issue 12. So this one, I feel like had a harder time standing on its own as a singular issue than the rest of the series did. But Clay Mann was back as artist, And I really liked that. Obviously I love the time King, Tom King writing. I gave that one an 8.5, which is maybe my lowest score for an issue in that series. I gave Superman a 7.0 and I gave Archie a 6.0 on my written scores. I don't know if I said something counter to that. Yeah. What did you guys think of Batman Catwoman? Do you guys want to just explore that a little bit before we move on to your buckshot, Django? I'm still salty about the the time, the, the way he's dealing with time in here. Mm-hmm. I can figure it out, but it just, the the dialogue overlaps. And if you're not paying super close attention, like the, the settings can look like they're the same. I don't know. It's probably on me as a reader. But I, I would prefer a different art style or very different coloring or something, something that tips me off a little bit better that it's a uh, which time zone I'm in. I think that before when we were spending a little bit more time in each different time period, because there's three distinct mm-hmm. ones, we were getting a narrative about the uh, the mask of the phantasm character, the phantasm. And then we were also getting a narrative about Catwoman having killed the Joker. And then we were right. kind of getting a narrative about her relationship with Batman causing her to kill the Jokers, these three narratives. And when we move really quickly, um, like in this issue, there was no presence of the Phantasm character at all or that narrative at all. So when we start moving quickly, it starts to feel like those narratives are departing. And I think at this point, you want those narratives to be convening. Mm-hmm. And it's it's we're going to need to spend some time now with the Phantasm story arc for it to make sense or feel like it's a part of that thing. And this overall, it feels like we're moving away from it, um, which, you know, I trust this guy enough to wrap it up. But I also do think that if I had to criticize Tom King, which I don't want to do because he's one of my favorite writers, if I think that his landings, whether he sticks them or not, can be a little bit debatable from person to person. Yeah. And so I'm getting a little bit, I wouldn't say <clears throat> nervous, but I want to know how it's going to go because this felt to me like the first half of a penultimate issue, if that makes sense. The, the thing that I liked about this was the reveal that the reason she killed him is that 
he's not crazy, right? Like the Joker is sane and that's why she had to kill him in issue one. And I like, I really like the idea that the Joker has been, has actually been in control. Man, we should have made this book a, an, a main part of the rundown because I didn't pick that up. I would have loved to. I, we, I, that, that's a good pickup. I actually did a Django on this issue and I read it, I read it on the toilet. Oh, um, so did I. <laughs> <laughs> but you're just better at that atmosphere. But to me, it felt like they were introducing a really important cliffhanger throughout it. And then they didn't expose that clip. I thought she was like, because he's your father or... Uh, you know, like it, it, they've been playing with this line of like maybe Catwoman and Joker romantically involved. And I do not want that to be a thing. Right. Um, and there seemed to be some revelation I didn't pick up on. Maybe that revelation that she's alluding to is that the Joker is sane. Yeah, she's, she says to her daughter, you want to know the Joker's secret? Why I had to cut his throat and watch him go. And then it flashes to her punching the Joker in the past. And she says, it's all a fucking act. Mm. And the Joker is kind of defending himself. He's like, no, I'm not saying it's not true. Like, would a, mm. would a sane person tell this many jokes? And and she just... Your Joker is a little Bob Dylan, which I think makes sense. Would a yeah, sane person tell this many jokes? Could a sane person pluck all these songs from the trees? Man, that's that's great. Nice read, dude. That's, I love, that's a really great read. Um, and... And I thought the bit about the Joker having some feeling towards wanting to be able to sexually satisfy Batman that was addressed in this issue was interesting as well. You know what I want out of that series? What's that? I want the the trade paperback to not be fucking censored. Like all the all the oh. ampersands and and signs are like Tom King writes them so clearly. Do it, as just fucking do it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like DC, you cowards, you yeah. let fucking peacemaker. It's a black swear label a book. It's a black label book, and you're yeah. still not typing fuck. It's grown-ups <laughs> talking. The book has cleavage on the cover. You can swear in it. You're cowards. <laughs> You're cowards. Django, 90 seconds, go. Mid-drink. You put Batman's dick in a comic. Give us a fuck. That was six seconds. I read Last Flight, worth it. Totally worth it. <laughs> I read Last Flight Out, number four. It's been like three months since the last issue came out, and uh, maybe even four or five months. This book is still good. Like... I don't love the art, but the story is really good. The character work is solid. And uh, I'm just kind of a sucker for end of the world, trying to leave Earth storylines. I also read Daisy number three. I don't know what's going on in this, but the art is great. And the the monsters are badass. There's a kid who's got tattoos all over his body. And there's like something it. about the language of angels that these people are interpreting. And there's like crazy zombie monsters and a super tall lady who's actually super, super, super fucked up and weak under her shrouds. Um, shrouds. This book started weird and now it's gross. And there's vagina shapes everywhere and a girl mm. with braces on the next cover <laughs> and a bloody mouth. Like it's braces. I don't really know. I really don't know what's happening and I don't care because every scene is visceral and disgusting. I also read the fourth man number two, uh, continuing Mike Diodato's art and Jeff Komsky's writing, um, with very recognizable characters, uh, cast in the roles of these people. Uh, even the, the, the big friend from my name is Earl. Is in there. You read that one too, right, Jeff? I did, and I texted you some photos in it. I also just need to address that the first sentences of Django's buckshot tummy time, tunnel time were, <laughs> I read last flight worth it. Totally worth it. I read last flight out. It was, <laughs> I read last flight worth it. Totally worth it. I was referencing the six seconds that I had wasted. It was worth wasting that six seconds. <laughs> okay. I just oh. thought it was the best introduction we'd ever had. <laughs> I read last flight worth it. Totally worth it. 
Last flight out, number four. Four months since the king. I was like, whoa, we are developing a shorthand I didn't know we had. Um, Django, your review. So let's get into fourth man in just a second. But you, your review. These you are three about, bottom tier comics, and I liked them all a lot. Well, but there, there was a dark house, dark a dark house book, a dark horse book, and you mentioned this week that like maybe some of your favorite books to read right now coming out are dark horse books yeah i think dark horse is putting out a lot of the best comics uh, or a lot of the comics that are keeping me hooked the longest apache um, delivery service we didn't mention yep. is we probably should make a more of a point to point out what publisher books come out but dark yeah apache delivery service is doing uh it's coming out from dark horse and daisy is dark horse and last flight out is dark horse yep. and this this week those were i don't know i mean i i'm not giving most dark horse books a 10 but i'm I'm enjoying them and I'm continuing with them. And, and as a publisher, and, and it's mostly writers I don't know too. Like who's I don't even know who's writing Daisy. Colin Lorimer, never heard of him. I would say that like two years ago when we went to Comics Pro, we were actually concerned about the health of Dark Horse as a publisher because they'd sold their rights or they'd lapsed in their rights for Conan. They'd lapsed in their rights for Alien, Predator. They'd lapsed in their rights for... They lost uh, all the Star Wars. All the Star Wars books. Yeah. So like it seemed like their key properties they were making money off of had been lost and they still had Hellboy, but they've done a fantastic job. The burger books that they've done were really, really good. Mm -hmm. Very good. And these creator owned books like Apache delivery service and Daisy, uh, you know, the crimson rose, the Lizanewski art, like oh, really God, bold so art. Good. That was a Matt Kent book. So um, they are doing really cool stuff. Art, art wise, story wise. I think dark horse does it. You know, I think you're right. I heard you say that a couple of times on Wednesday and on Tuesday. And, and uh, I think you're totally right. I think dark horse needs some, a little, a little bit of attention right now. Yeah. Having they're, they're I think they're doing a good job supporting creators right now and not properties. And I think that's not even boom, I think has moved to a much more mm -hmm. property based approach yeah, rather than creator based approach. So I always love when, the, a publisher seems to be honoring the, the the novelty of a creator. So I really hope that this works for them because it is a harder road. I think than, I think for sure like, it's not the how, hard, not how easy is it easy. to sell Last Flight Out versus Star Wars or Berserker because Keanu yeah. Reeves is on it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so um, my fingers are crossed for them, and I'm going to keep hyping their their solid books. And we love you, Matt. Yeah. They just they just need to they they've still got the rights to Tarzan. They just need to do a really good Tarzan book. Do that or does Dynamite? <laughs> Dynamite can do Lord of the Jungle comics because Tarzan oh. is in the public domain mm. as far as the story goes, but the trademark Tarzan on the cover can't be used. Our next spinoff podcast I've decided to do is Jeff picking Django's brain about Creative Commons rights and <laughs> things that are in the creative domain. Sherlock's a big part of it. Is that a, is that a uh, Winnie the Pooh is public now? We could name our program Winnie the Pooh. We just can't name it and Tigger 2. Listen, that's New Directions Disney. number two can be all about Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> number two. It was a poo joke. Yeah, it was. You guys did really good uh, tunnel time. We really, I think we all, hey, let's all hang 10 in the middle of this pipe together. All of our pipes went separately, individually, and then reunited at the end here while we all high-fived and rode this in endless summer pipe till the end. You guys ever seen Endless Summer 2? It's great. Tunnel time, bro. I didn't see it. It's a great documentary. It's a documentary. Oh, I, documentary. I just oh, wow. got told that my disc is full, so we probably should get out oh, of this. Man. I save, was not recording, Jeff. Save space by optimizing storage. Your disc is almost full. Don't. Whatever you do, don't stop the Zoom recording yet.
Let's get out of here, everyone. It's been a real blast. We've had a lot of fun. I really like all of you guys. We talked about a lot of comics. You can get us an email at jeff at thecomicsplace.com. This is my scared voice because my computer is full of space and maybe we won't be able to get this thing out of here. Maybe I should delete a bunch of stuff off my computer before we stop this call. I don't really know. Hey, we'll see you all next week for episode two of New Directions. It's a transformative reading experience where you read comics and we read comics and we become something new. And this week we became New Directions. Bye-bye. I'm Django. See you later. Mahalo. Mahalo. I'm Roman and Jeff. And this is my favorite part of the day when I get to see these boys. We'll see you next week.